0: All right, today we've got James Cook. James, thanks so much for making the time.
1: Thanks so much for having me on, Joe.
0: Hey, okay, first question, same as always. Uh, refresh our memory. What were you doing before you started INSEAD, and what have you been up to for the last 20 years?
1: So before INSEAD, I'm from Detroit originally, and I started my career in the auto industry. I was an engineer uh, uh, designing rearview mirrors. And I went to INSEAD, and since INSEAD, I've... Um, I've pivoted and most of my career has been around um something called the nuclear medicine industry. Um which which is a little bit different and I can um maybe I should go into a little bit more detail there. <laughs> let's, before we go into that let's let's
0: hear a little bit about uh what what you were doing uh in the automobile industry uh prior to.
1: Yeah, so um so so I graduated uh graduated from college and I got a job as a as an engineer with an auto supplier designing rearview mirrors. Um, I enjoyed it. I can tell you anything about a rear view mirror. <laughs> um, my wife used to make fun of me. We would, we would go to auto shows and I would just walk around folding back and forth the rear view mirrors and getting into what
0: would have been, what would have been the latest and greatest technology, you know, I'm guessing in the late nineties, early two thousands with regards to rear view mirrors.
1: Well, so back then, uh, turn signals were just starting to become a thing. Now they're integrated in a lot of rear view mirrors. Um, we already had heated class that was, we were Pretty much past that. But well, those those signal- are
0: much nicer cars than I own, but that that sounds great. That sounds very fancy.
1: Yeah, and um I don't know what else. um th- th- There's not that much. What, what So I did the outside rearview mirrors, and there's not that much uh, uh-huh. fancy bells and whistles going in the outside rearview mirrors. But turn signals, at least, were coming in.
0: And you were at a supplier. I'm actually this is this is, this is interesting. I, I I like getting into the nuts and bolts of this stuff. So you're at a supplier. Which which OEMs or or, or manufacturers were you selling to?
1: Um, most of them, actually, I I worked on a GM project, a Cadillac project. I worked on a Ford project, uh, some for Toyota, some for Nissan. I I don't even remember all of them, but I worked, um, I worked for a supplier and we we Mm -hmm. worked on a variety of projects. All
0: right. So you, 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 your first love in life was, was rear view mirrors. You you went to business school. What did you uh, deviate towards after that?
1: Yeah. So, um, so I went to business school and, you know, when I went to business school, I wanted to change a number of things about my career. I wanted my career to be more international, which was a big reason to pick INSEAD. Um, I wanted to explore things outside the auto industry. And I I was never a really technical person. So I really didn't want to do a long-term engineering career. I wanted wanted something more business-oriented. So I took a job in consulting right after INSEAD with a group called Siemens Management Consulting. And this was... uh, uh, globally headquartered in Munich, but with a New York office, I was part of the New York office, and um, set up like an external management consulting uh, company, but only serving Siemens operating companies. Um, and and we would uh, bid for projects with Siemens operating companies against external firms, and we would win some, we would lose some, um, but it, it was actually set up very similar to 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 you know, uh, external consulting firms like like a BCG or McKinsey and so on. Um, And so that was a great learning uh, ground for me. I I worked for Siemens uh, operating companies in automation and automotive. And uh, halfway through my time there in 2005, I uh, did a project with a group called Siemens Nuclear Medicine, and they were headquartered in Chicago, and they had just bought a company in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I worked on the post merger integration, and um, I got really excited about the industry. and, and let, let me stop you there for a second.
0: Uh, I, I should have asked sooner. Were you just doing automotive stuff prior to this, or were you bouncing all over the place within Siemens?
1: I was bouncing all over the place. I had some automotive background, so if an automotive project came up, they would put me on that. But yeah, I was yeah. I was bouncing all over the place.
0: Cool, cool. All right, yeah. get, get, get back to the, uh, the 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 nuclear medicine one.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't the very first industry that I mm-hmm. saw after automotive, but it was it was an awfully exciting one with with awfully exciting science and in um, a bright. And
0: now, talk to us like we're golden retrievers. Uh, what, what what is nuclear medicine? What are some of the applications uh, and what what, what does this, what was this particular company doing?
1: Yeah. So um, so so in nuclear medicine, nuclear medicine is the use of isotopes for for medical purposes. Um, it can, uh, there are applications in cardiology and neurology, but, uh, but nowadays the, the biggest application is, is in cancer, is in oncology. And, uh, and in cancer, it can be used either for imaging disease or, more recently, for treating disease as well. And, and essentially, um, if you're imaging disease, you use a scanner similar to a CT scanner or an MRI. Uh, there's a different modality called positron emission tomography. And um, essentially, you get, in, you get injected with, um, with a radioactive dye, so to say, and the scanner can see where the radioactive dye is in your body because it's letting out uh, low energy radiation and can reconstruct an image of your body with where the disease is, where the metastases are for cancer. And um, or...
0: Because with, otherwise, they'd have to go and they have to cut you open to look and, and see where the, where, where the cancers are, correct?
1: Pretty much. They would have to... Yeah, a lot of times. The, uh, otherwise, they have to do a biopsy. Sometimes they still need to do a biopsy, or they would, or they might image your body with a with a CT scanner or an MRI. But those things tend to show more shapes, right, morphology <clears throat> and, and and shapes. Whereas with a radiopharmaceutical, you're actually looking at the molecular activity there. So you're actually looking at, um, um yeah, you're 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 looking at. You know molecular activity um that's happening not only the shapes that happen later or that grow later on cool thank you so siemens just just bought this
0: company and you were you were in you know post-merger uh work
1: exactly exactly so i was in the post-merger integration and um and uh and i liked it and you know i ended up doing a few follow-on projects with that uh with that business and uh and then in 20 in 2007 I, I left the consulting group and I joined full time Siemens Molecular Imaging, and uh, I was head. Which of is 12. what that which is what that company became. Correct, or, or but, that was a group of companies. Exactly, it was that okay. company. It was about a one billion dollar a year revenue business, headquartered in uh, Chicago. Once uh, in Chicago and Knoxville, the combination of the two was was that, and uh, they changed their name from Siemens Nuclear Medicine to Siemens Molecular Imaging. Um, and um, and I joined that business, and I was I was head of strategy um, for about four and a half years, and then I was head of uh, sales and business development for one of the subunits, uh, specifically that distributed radio pharmaceuticals. Um, so 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 that company had all of the different components of the value chain in in nuclear medicine. We did scanners, we distributed radio pharmaceuticals, we we made. Um, mouse scanners for research for preclinical research. we made cyclotrons to produce the radioactivity. We were doing some new, um, new radiopharmaceutical drug research in LA had all the different components. And your clients are these diagnostic facilities that, that, that,
0: that do these, these scans presumably.
1: Yeah. The, 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 the clients, the, the customers were hospitals and independent imaging centers all around the country. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and so that allowed me to, to, to get pretty deep into the industry of, of nuclear medicine or radiopharmaceuticals. And, um, and, and I did that until 2014. And in 2014 was the first time I actually thought about leaving Siemens. I was thinking, I mean, my plan was to do a long term career there. Um, but, but something, there, there was a company that was coming to the US and they were working on a therapeutic radiopharmaceutical um that that later became a drug called ludathera and um, up until that time therapeutic radiopharmaceuticals hadn't been taken very seriously there hadn't been many commercial successes Um, but the idea was simple and and it was that you said you take the same targeting molecule that goes to the cancer and instead of putting a diagnostic isotope on it you put a therapeutic isotope on it and the therapeutic isotope lets out a high amount of energy a very short distance. So it's killing cells, right? And that's what you want to do. You want to kill the cancer. Um, so uh, uh, all, all, now this, this isn't at least at a conceptual, this is a new
0: idea. We've, we've been using, uh, you know, uh, chemotherapy for a while. What's sort of different about traditional chemotherapy and, and what this company was doing or this technology was doing?
1: Well, th- this is um, compared to traditional, um, chemotherapy there are a lot of different ways that that the pharma industry has been coming up with more targeted um targeted therapies for uh for cancer right and the the idea is always to kill the cancer without without killing the rest of the person i see i see so
0: traditional chemotherapy sort of poisons your whole body and 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 the cancer as well whereas this stuff just just focuses on more
1: targeted targeted. And, and there are other modalities in pharma for doing that there's a there's a um something called ADCs, anti- antibody drug conjugates that have also been used for more targeted uh, killing. But, but here, the difference here is that we're using radiation to kill the cancer. So it's the same radiation you get if you get external beam therapy. It's, it's essentially the same radiation, but it's much more targeted because it's it's injected in your body and it's going only to where the cancer is or mostly to where the cancer is. And so it's much more targeted and it can also treat systemic disease throughout your body rather than kind of, if you get external beam radiation, it's hitting all the tissue around the cancer as well. Right.
0: I don't mean to be so focused on the science, but I, I, I'm genuinely curious. And I suspect other people are as well. How does it know where, where to go? How does it know how to go directly to where the, the cancer is?
1: Well, it's not, it's um, it, it, it's that's where the drug research is, right? So that's where the drug. So, so what drug researchers do is they, um, They find a biological target that they think is interesting to go after. So let's say a certain protein that is more expressed in cancer than it is in normal tissue. And then they try to come up with molecules, which can be peptides or antibodies or different types of molecules that selectively um, attach to that biological target. Right. And that's a lot of work. And that's not easy. Right. (laughs) You know, that's uh, but 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 essentially it's it's um, it's 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 coming up with 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 molecules that attach to the right types of uh that selectively bind. okay
0: you you basically it sounds like it's magic it's basically magic that's that's incredible uh thank you for that little little uh science for dummies detour let's get back to uh we're what 2014 and you're talking to this uh this company about considering maybe leaving siemens
1: yeah yeah so uh so in 2014 so there was a company uh that was coming to the u.s they they actually came to um they set up headquarters in New York in the Empire State Building. And I originally talked with them about maybe working together with, with my division of Siemens. And that didn't work out, but I knew they they were hiring um, a head of their U.S. business to build up the U.S. organization. And I thought that sounded exciting. I was kind of interested to come back to the New York area. And, um, and so I took a job with them uh, responsible for the uh, the buildup of the U.S. organization of of this company. It was a uh, the company was um, it was French Italian company. It was an Italian and French management team, but headquartered in France, uh, right near Geneva, just over the, the the border in France from Geneva, had was kind of a quasi spin out from CERN, um, the nuclear research facility in Geneva. Um, so so they so so I moved to New Jersey. And, um, and joined them in in the New York office. And, and my job was to uh, build a factory first in New York. And you're like employee number one in the U.S. for this company. Essentially, yes. There were a handful of... Uh, so so the global CEO had moved to New York as well. And, and mm-hmm. there were a handful of people there, but they were all working on like investor relations or uh, regulatory affairs, or let's say more global topics. Whereas I was employee number one for building up the U.S. organization. All right. You, and, did they, again, excuse the dumb questions here, but they're a European company with presumably some European
0: approvals for whatever they're selling. Do you need to go from square one with, with the U S FDA to get, to get yourself approved in the U S or is there some fast tracking if you're already working in Europe?
1: Well, they, so they actually, for the, for their main drug, the, the therapeutic, they actually didn't have approval in Europe yet. Um, it was something that was being used, um, kind of broadly in Europe under, um, physician discretion or, or, kind of right to try laws, but it had not been formally approved either in Europe or in the U S and what they were doing was running a, a global trial with more enrollment in the U S but also enrollment in Europe. And they were seeking approval in, in, in both, both geographies. Um, it was, a uh, um, the, the, the class of therapy is something I, I believe in. Steve Jobs' book. He also talks about going to Europe to get an experimental radiotherapy as well, which was, I believe, it was either a variation of this drug or or something similar. Um, but not there?
0: This, this might get a little bit morbid, but isn't there a little bit more latitude with some of these unapproved drugs when the patient is is facing, you know, a a, a likely terminal outcome? Am, am I am I correct?
1: Uh, there is there, there there absolutely is, and that's why it was it was being used a lot and in, uh, in Europe already before mm-hmm. um, Interesting, and and so um, so we had a phase three study running, and the plan was to launch it in the U.S. a few years, uh, a couple of years after that. Um, and and so what I had to do is build up the U.S. organization, including to to, to be able to locally manufacture it, and then to commercialize it in the U.S. Um, and with radioactivity, it's, uh, there's a short half-life, right? So it's constantly decaying. It needs to be injected in the patient a couple of days after it's made. So you kind of need to make it in the continent where it's going to be sold. Also, you, you, you'd, uh, I, I'm, I'm now trying to put myself in your
0: shoes. Uh, you'd been working for Siemens for a while. Then you worked for this, this division. How much experience do you have, you know, setting up manufacturing facilities or is this a little bit of a, a bit of a new, new thing for you?
1: Not that much, especially setting up manufacturing <laughs> facilities. I had very little experience with that, um, but I had I, but I had a good team around me. Let, let's say the European colleagues were were um, were very good and were very helpful. So you know, I essentially had to do project management and defer to them on the technical aspects, and um, and and we built a factory in uh, in Milburn, New Jersey, actually. Um, and then, and then I built up the organization. So, um, manufacturing, supply chain, customer service, and then you know sales, market access, medical affairs, marketing, and um, we, we 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 built up a good team. Uh, grew to about hundred people by the time I um, by the time I left. We launched two products successfully. One was a diagnostic product we launched in twenty sixteen um, that that went very well, and then we launched a therapeutic in twenty eighteen. And then on a, a corporate level, two things happened. We went public on NASDAQ in 2015, in late 2015, and that worked out well. And then we were bought by Novartis uh, for $3.9 billion in, uh, in January, uh, 20, January 2018. So, um, so that was a great ride. That was exciting. Fantastic. It was a small company growing fast. Um, we achieved a lot. We helped a lot of patients. Um, super exciting time. And then I found myself in Novartis and I was, um, I was heading my business unit in Novartis and we were pretty much left alone for the launch of the product, which went very well, but a year into it, I thought, you know, I've, I've spent a long time in a big company before, and I learned a lot being in a big company, but it's not that fun. That's not really how I want to spend the rest of my career. <laughs> um so a year after the novartis acquisition in 2019 i left i took about a half year off and i decided to start a new company and um and so i started a company called evergreen theranostics and um that was in middle of 2019 and um our plan was was to do a a few things in the in the radio pharmaceutical space one is we were going to do um to be a contract manufacturer um secondly we we're uh, developing some generic and near generic products, and then uh, and then later on, we've gotten into a little bit of drug discovery uh, work as well. Um, the fundraising uh, part of that has, was 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 kind of exciting and and, and different than usual. So in, in twenty nineteen, we um, about 10, 10 founders um, invested money in it to get us off the ground. Let's say seed funding. And then we planned to do our first investment round in early 2020, and you remember what happened in early 2020? COVID happened, and so um, so in March 2020 we changed it to a Zoom roadshow, and uh, and and we managed to to um, to raise enough money to build the factory and keep pushing things forward. Uh, we raised 19 million among about 80 individual investors. Nice, mm. nice. That's scrappy. A, a, a lot of a lot of relatively small checks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, there was, it was a wide range, but um, mm-hmm. you know, but, 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 uh, but it went well and, and we got a really nice base of, of investors that have been very supportive of the company since then. And, um, and, and we've been progressing uh, the business since then. And we, we did a couple other raises since, uh, you know, later on, mostly invested by the existing shareholders. Um, so and- you had those three
0: business lines, the contract manufacturing, uh, the, and I forget the second one and, and then a little bit of your own discovery. How, how have those three shaken out, you know, versus like, w- which one seems to be the, the horse that's winning right now?
1: Um, we're, we're pretty pleased with all three. So, so with the first one, so contract manufacturing, um, has, has ramped up. We we opened a factory in uh, the third quarter of 2021. Um, no one believe we, we, we bought land in, mid 2019. And we opened in, in, in in late 2021, no one believed we would do it that fast. They, that that does seem fast. um, Yeah. But, uh, but we were proud of that. Uh, We we went pretty quickly and um, there's a lot of excitement right now in the radio pharma industry. So sort of largely because of the success of, of advanced accelerator applications, which we call AAA, largely because of that success. Can you tell us what that is? Uh, I'm sorry. That was the European company that I joined. Oh,
0: I see. Okay, sorry, sorry. I thought that was yeah.
1: technology. But, okay, it was coincidentally called AAA, just like the U.S. Car Club. But yeah, <laughs> um, but largely because of the the success of that company, and then success of some follow some some later um, uh, products that came with with other companies, there's been sort of a renaissance in radio pharmaceuticals, and so there's a tremendous interest in radiopharmaceuticals for, uh, for cancer treatment, for therapy, right? Whereas the, it wasn't before. Historically, it was mostly diagnostics. And so, you know, I've seen, I don't know, 30 or more companies started in the last few years to develop uh, radiopharmaceuticals, a lot of venture capital interest. We saw large acquisitions just made by uh, Bristol-Myers Squibb and by uh, Lilly. So we see Big Pharma interested to get into it now um and and so because of all that interest there's also a lot of work for contract manufacturers right so we we've, we've we've had a lot of work to do and we're growing that segment of the business
0: uh, your, your clients are in this regard are sort of our early stage going through clinical trials or they've already gotten approval you're you're building
1: their products for them that are going to market most of our most of our clients or all of our clients right now are are in clinical trial stage so we're delivering we're delivering doses for their clinical trials around the U.S. Uh, we're built for commercial scale, and and um, and we intend to grow with our clients as they grow towards commercial approval eventually in the future. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, and then the second second part of our business um, the the generic and near generic products we we have a, a diagnostic product that is um, getting closer to uh, to hopeful hopefully FDA approval. Uh, we're hoping. That, uh, that we can achieve that later this year and, and we'll be marketing that to U.S. hospitals if we're successful. Um, and then the third part of our business, you know,
0: well, we have- uh, let me, let me again, sorry for all these uh, pesky questions, but why do you need FDA approval for a generic? Isn't that something that's all, that's a patent that's already fallen out? Uh, is, is it approving you guys making it uh, versus the, like the, the efficacy of the drug?
1: There are, um, so this one is a, it's what I call a near generic, it's not quite a generic, it still needs the same new drug application that other, other new drugs do, but even for a generic, you have to file what's called an abbreviated new drug application, so, because they still need to make sure it's the same, the quality is, is sufficient, that it's made according to good manufacturing practices and things like that, so, there's still an approval process. Yeah, okay. Um, And, um, and then, and then the third part of our business is a little bit different. So we, we started uh, a group that we call Evergreen Discovery. We opened a research lab near Princeton, New Jersey last year. And we have about 10 scientists that are working on totally new and novel um, drug discovery. And the idea there is to come up with, um, with, with totally novel radiotherapy drug candidates and to bring them uh, to the clinic. Right. So this is mostly preclinical research. And the idea is that we can partner with other companies to then take them through clinical trials, or we can we can decide to do that ourselves as well. So a little bit little bit different piece, but we had some some outstanding scientists that uh, you know that that uh, that I talked with about starting that business, and it seemed to be a good idea.
0: And this is the unit that's going to pay for the uh, the Cook family building on NCI campus someday, right?
1: I hope. Yeah, if I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's all fascinating, but thanks for listening to it all. <laughs> how, talk to us about like scale, like
0: how, how big is this business, how, this little startup that that you, you started a few years ago? How many, how many employees, what, what, what are we talking about here?
1: So we're um, we're about 60 employees now. Uh, that's, we've, big. We've, that's big. Yeah. Thank you. It's um, we're about 60 employees. We've raised 39 million since, since founding. And um yeah, I guess that, that that gives an idea. So so, you know, we're growing quickly and and we have we have big aspirations. So, let's see what's in our future. But um so far so far we're happy with how it's turned out. Congratulations. That's uh
0: that, that that's really really a great story. Thank um you. We're, we're we're running over, but I do want to ask the the one question I try to ask everybody, which is kind of a two-parter, um is is there anything that we as the community can do? to to help you you know either professionally or personally and vice versa are there any things that you could potentially uh, offer to to the community
1: yeah so uh, well well first of all if anyone uh, comes across this um, this industry of radio pharmaceuticals i'm happy to chat if there's a way we can work together even if you just want to ramp up on the industry um, reach out anytime happy to talk about it and um yeah. And then we are doing a capital raise if, and, and we do take individual investors if anyone is interested to learn more. How or, small of a check? 50,000. Um, 50,000 50, okay. is their minimum. Well,
0: you'll uh, do a smaller check for us, right? That, 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 seems, that seems kind of spendy for uh, these modest uh, European uh, business school students.
1: Yeah, uh, we can we, we'll, probably work something out.
0: Okay. All right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.
1: And then... Uh, yeah. And then if, if anyone, uh, if, if you guys are in New York in the summertime, I, I keep a sailboat in, uh, in New York Harbor and I, I love to take people around the city. It's a great way to see the city. And so uh, happy to offer some sailboat
0: tours of New York. There's there's some moral hazard there where you get somebody on the boat and that they decide not to invest. Uh, we, we don't need to go down down that path. But uh, James, yeah. thank you so, so much for, for your time. This has been really, really interesting and, and congrats on your success. Like you've, you've had quite a journey.
1: Thanks. uh, Thanks so much, Joe. It's an outstanding podcast. And I'm looking forward to hearing your story as well.
0: Oh, shush. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.